internally again because we were quite used to doing a lot of remote stuff and doing it at weird hours we were already quite relaxed like if you're mm -hmm. taking a call from australia early in the morning or late at night we pretty quickly stop being bothered about like whether Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day -day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So this week I'm joined by a special guest. I've got uh, Charlie Robeson with me. Um, he is the head of project delivery at, at Verbate. Um, so Verbate offers their clients a simple, simple to use, affordable video survey platform so they can hear directly from, from their customers. So earlier this year, back in May, we had uh, Matt Barnett, the founder of Bonjoro, uh, join us for, for a conversation. And believe it or not, Verbate is the precursor to, to Bonjoro. So... You know, I'm really excited about this conversation. Uh, we had a great conversation with Matt. Um, so, Charlie, as we've been talking, um, and, and we, we connected a bit last week to talk, you know, one of the things we, we've seen over the last couple of years is a trend with companies wanting more of a relationship with their customers because that's what they're hearing from their customers. Customers want a relationship with uh, the brands that they, they, they buy from. Um, and whether that's showing how they feel through social media or searching out companies that, that share the same values with them. And then now you throw on everything that, that 2020 has given us and all the, the complexities there, you know, there's a whole new set of challenges for companies trying to build that connection that the customers want. Um, especially now with the ability of having in-person colleagues and associates being able to, um, to, to, to actually have any kind of interaction with them. So I know that's a total mouthful. Um, and I gave just a, a, quick, a brief introduction into, into you, into Verbate. So before we really dig in, what I'd like to do is just turn it over to you, give our listeners um, a bit more info about you, your role as head of project delivery, and, and Verbate in general. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, and yeah, it's it's a, it's all connected. All the stuff you mentioned in your intro. So we'll we'll get through all of it in time, I'm sure. Uh, so for bait, um, put really simply, we're a qualitative um, market research agency uh, focused exclusively on mobile video. And what that means is, uh, if there's any group of people um, anywhere in the world that you want us to kind of um, to hear from, uh, we can go away, we can find them, and then we can sort of conduct surveys with them. Uh, using the video capabilities on their smartphone. We have an app that is um, localizable in all the languages. So the idea is it can give kind of complete coverage wherever you need it. Um, and then we just um, sort of collect all the video that we can, that you've requested, answering your questions. And then we'll either analyze it or just kind of hand it off to the client. And that's kind of the, the really simple part of the process. And yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned this kind of focus on getting to know, um, getting to know your consumers, but also consumers wanting to kind of know brands better. Um, because most of the time you think about that and you think about it in the sense that, right, uh, I want to have a better relationship with the brand. The brand needs to sort of um, show more of itself to me. But actually, we're big believers in kind of flipping the equation a bit and starting 
um, with learning more about your consumer, like whoever they are. I don't think there's any business in the world that can know that kind of ideal consumer as well as they want. Uh, and we obviously have quite like a different approach to you guys. I know you're a, a data analytics um, firm and we're very much the opposite of that. We don't touch mm -hmm. anything to do with data. If you gave me some data, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, but it's it's all kind of, you need both sides, I think. And it's all connected in a way of kind of getting to know the person on the other end of whatever relationship it is. Um, you need data to get the scale of it, but also we believe you need something qualitative, something kind of personal uh, to give them a bit more character, to give them a bit of kind of life and depth. And the really good thing about smartphone video and the thing that we've really uh, been pleased to see kind of come more and more to the fore in the last few years is that it's really, really, um, for lack of a better word, like intimate, like you can get right in their homes, they can take you, you know, out with them wherever they go to the shops or to their office or in their car. Uh, you get this kind of perspective on them that you don't get if they're just in a focus group or, you know, filling in a survey online. There's something very kind of uh, personal about it. And especially because people these days, they're more and more comfortable talking with their phones. They're very used to, you know, recording themselves out and about. Younger generations, definitely. But these days, you know, even older generations, we see very comfortable with it as well. Um, that has, has made our jobs a lot easier for a start. But it's also, I think, just increase the kind of quality of the uh, the insight you can get from it. So that's mm -hmm. the in a, quite a big nutshell. And in so, terms of, oh, sorry, Karen. No, no, good, good. I was just going to add in terms of my role, which you mentioned, um, I'm officially head of project delivery, but really that just covers a very broad range of things involved in getting, <laughs> you know, getting what the, the client wants and then getting that kind of distilled into questions to ask people and then getting responses to those questions back to the client in whatever format mm -hmm. they need. So the, one of the things that I'd like to ask you, you know, it goes back to something you just mentioned. You mentioned about like, you know, helping companies go out and find the, these people to get the responses, get the information that they're looking for. Uh, is Verbate more of like a product company or do you also have agency services as well where helping your clients actually use the product and, and source the information that they're looking for? That's a really good question because we're a bit of both and the answer takes more time than just like a sentence to summarize, which is, is why I'm glad to be talking about our podcast and not in an email. Um, but basically, we used to be more of like a tech-focused company. And as you kind of mentioned, um, Bonjoro, our kind of sister company that we've split off from a bit, um, they with the tech kind of focus is kind of still there in Bonjoro. They consider themselves a tech company. And they're mm -hmm. very much, you know, SaaS focused. They want to have that kind of high growth attitude. And that is is really great. But for Verbate, we found it wasn't quite the right fit. We were kind of having the technology and we'd give it to people and they either wouldn't know what to do with it or maybe wouldn't do as good a job as they could be doing. So over time, we kind of uh, organically, I guess, started adding on a few more kind of agency um, options. Like at the start, it was just, we'll get the video. And then it's sort of like, well, we'll find someone to transcribe it or translate it if it's, you know, not in English. And then it's sort of, well, we need to be able to find the people to do the surveys. That's kind of the most important part of research in a lot of ways. Um, so we need to kind of expand our abilities there. And then you sort of feel that often I'll, I'll spend loads of time looking through the, um, the videos and kind of the information we get back. And then it feels like, well, why don't we, you know, package that up for people and summarize it and try and save people a bit of time. Uh, so we kind of sit a bit between the two uh, in summary, mm. but um, I think we, we don't really put ourselves in a, a a box to use a bit of a cliche we try and kind of see what 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 the client needs and, and respond to it and kind of fill the brief as mm -hmm. best we can so, so to help with with, with product adoption and, and making sure clients are able to get the best out of it 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I, it's going to be interesting to see like what the future holds, you know, for the world of research and for us, because I feel like um, on the one hand, maybe there'll be more demand for kind of tech solutions because all of the in-person ways of doing research are now either impossible or at least much harder. Um, so there's kind of a technical side of things, but also for us as an agency, maybe people will need more um, more of the kind of personal skills as well to kind of complement it. So it's all mm. a bit uh, fluid, I guess I'd say. Yeah, no, and, and you actually made me think of something um, several years ago for, for, for another company I worked at. Um, I was in the, the, the technical side of the digital analytics, and we had digital analytics services, but they also, it being an agency, also had um, a usability team. So they would, um, it, it was... It, you know, I think I mean, we forgot to mention. You know, you're, you're based in in the UK. You know, I, I'm here yes. in the Philadelphia area. So they would source people from this area, and actually, they had a full usability lab. So yeah. they kind of talk about like you were talking about, like the the quant uh, the qualitative data versus the, the the quantitative data. We would try to go into an engagement with a client with 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 both. And because they, they tell two different sides of the same story and give you two different aspects. So we would start off with the, the quantitative analytics data on from, from the website and say, this is what we're seeing, but we need to understand why people are doing it. And then that's where the, uh, the usability services would come in and, and pair up with that to say, okay, this is why we're seeing this behavior. People are running into barriers here or this new feature you thought was going to help with conversion. This is why it's not. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I know that kind of um, mm -hmm. both sides thing really well. And something that's good, I think as well about um, qual and especially video is that it's harder for people to lie for lack of a better word or kind of like bend the truth. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's like on video, like you can see my face now, you can see, uh, you know, how I'm responding to what you're saying. And and when people talk on video, it's much harder for them, especially if they're doing it kind of off the cuff, to uh, say what they don't feel. You know, people just kind of try and usually come out of it with something kind of mm -hmm. natural, organic. And, and that is what we're really kind of trying to get out of people most of the time. It's like a, a kind of unguarded um, insight. And that is like doubly effective if you're kind of having them do like a task. Like if you we sometimes send people like, food or drink stuff to, to try. And when you see people like take a drink of something and you can kind of see like a, a flash of possible like disgust in their face, it's it's really like, ah, yeah, it kind of tells you the whole story, you know, um, without needing to actually listen to what they say. Yeah. Uh, although we recommend doing that as well, of course. Yeah, and I would think that, um, because I, th I think, you know, at the heart, most people are good natured people. They don't want to deliver unhappy news or, un un you know, bad yeah. information. I, I would think your product would help get around, say, moderator bias, where in, in two different ways, right? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I mean, for one way, we don't have a, a moderator, which um, helps mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but it's interesting that even when they're just talking to their phone, sometimes people do kind of need a little bit of a, a nudge to, you know, really speak the truth. I think that, you know, uh, and it's a very noble thing to to not want to hurt anyone's feelings, to not want to kind of mm -hmm. speak. You know, speak bad about something that you're trying um that is quite ingrained and you kind of see it sometimes coming out in people so we have to always you know stress as much as we can you know say whatever you want say say how you really feel no one's going to have hurt feelings um and yeah that, that moderator bias um question is, is really interesting because that's something that we've you know thought about a lot in terms of how 
we can obviously eliminate it um, just with the tool. But it, you know, what more can we do to put people at ease? What more can we do to really make sure people feel comfortable with the kind of platform? Mm -hmm. um, now, definitely, you know, aware, you know, there's you know a lot of details you you can't share, um, but would love to know, like, have you had those clients where you've just seen that that, that eureka moment? Where like we've been trying so many different ways to get this information from from, from our customers, and the the unfiltered video content that that they're able to get from 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 Verbate just gives them what they need. Like like it, it just and it helps them move. Like I don't want to use a cliche like move the needle. We actually had a whole episode on cliches, and I've become <laughs> very very conscious of any cliches that I use. I respect um, that a lot. It's, it's it's too easy. Like I think in the business world, people just kind of fall back on it because it feels safe. But then it's, yeah. sometimes it's really hard to think of like something else, basically. Yeah, but like, have you seen those clients where like they've had that moment and it, it's given them the the information to make the change that they needed to make that they wouldn't have gotten elsewhere? And I and I know like. You, you, they may come in smaller ways, but I would love to to hear some of the things that that the clients have found using video. Kind of going back to the premise of the conversation, the video of building that two way connection that both customers and and companies want. Companies want to hear that information from a customer, but the, the same way, customers want to feel like they're being heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's one of the things that we you know, hear sometimes from respondents is that they, they enjoy taking part in it because they sort of get to add their voice to something that feels more substantial, I guess, and just like leaving a comment on Facebook. Um, but in terms of like eureka moments, that's definitely something we're always you know striving to give people. I think the most satisfying ones for us and the ones that are always most interesting, are not just when we give people the insight they're looking for, although that's obviously great, but when you give people insight that they're not looking for, when you kind of present them with a, you know, a set of answers for one thing. And then from that, they kind of learn something else. That is always really interesting. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's always like, it's sometimes it's almost like a problem because it's like we've set out to learn one specific thing and we've kind of been, we're being pulled off topic almost by something else. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, th that is um, what we're always kind of striving to do. I think it, it's interesting to try and like, there's like a funnel in market research usually for like where you kind of go in, in the process. And we do a lot of our kind of work at the top of the funnel and at the, at the bottom of the funnel. So sort of very broad um, explorations of like a category or a market or something. Uh, and I think that we're very effective there because of that, like you might never, you don't know exactly what people are going to be saying when they're responding to things. You'll be asking about the topic very broadly and then it might kind of shine a light on something that you can then go away and do you know, much deeper research into not, you know, using video, but also other methods. I think we'd never say that we're kind of like the only methodology that people should be using. Although if you do, that's great. Um, but also then there's kind of the bottom of the funnel as well, where once you've kind of done basically everything else, once you think you've got the kind of finished product live, whatever it is, um, sending it back out to people, testing it. Um, this could be, you know, physical things, but also we do a lot of work with kind of ad testing. Um, and that, that is when we hopefully are able to kind of give people that like eureka moment where they know they, mm -hmm. they find what they're looking for. Oh, that, that's awesome. So, I mean, we, we talked a bit about the, the moderator bias and, and, and how you're trying to, to account for that. Um, but tell me a bit more about how, how you think like, um, 
how, how Verbate compares to say your, your traditional focus groups. Mm. Um, what, what have you found there? What are some of the, the pros and cons um, that, 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 you know, that come out when you, when you compare and contrast the two? It's, it's interesting to look at it in terms of pros and cons because the, the main things are, I think are both pros and cons. Like there's a, mm. there's a case to be made with the same fact for both. The lack of moderator is obviously a huge one. Uh, you know, like mm. there's lots of, um, you know, insight you can get by asking people to kind of um, set their own rules a bit more and kind of follow their own thinking. Um, but it's true that if you want to kind of follow up on something someone said uh, or kind of prompt them a bit more, uh, you can't do it with our methodology because you you um, it's all self self curated. Uh, so you have to kind of anticipate that. You have to sort of think right. People are going to be responding to this question in this way. What what do I think they're going to say, and what do I need to kind of add extra into the into the kind of platform to make sure that they really, um, I guess, say as much about it as you want to hear. Uh, and the other thing is is the lack of um, other people around you as well, and that is something that it can be very powerful about focus groups. You know, you can get people sort of ricocheting off each other and starting conversations, and that can be really effective. But it can also work against you a bit if you I don't know if the uh, group dynamic kind of goes in a certain way. Some people might feel, you know, excluded. Some people might feel they need to kind of play something up for the sake of other people there. And the good thing about doing it all remotely and um, kind of without a moderator is that you don't get that bias at all. You really do get people sort of alone by themselves most of the time um, and giving you a slightly unvarnished um, a, a kind of insight into themselves. I, I, the other big benefit now for us is obviously doing it all remotely has been a real godsend this year. I don't think we ever, you know, mm -hmm. predicted that this would be like a, like a key selling point of ours, but yeah, I, I feel, you know, it's, it's pretty unfortunate if you want to run a focus group right now and you can do them, you know, digitally and on zoom and stuff. But I think the, in the room um, effect that was quite powerful about that is now going to be lost for a little while. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're fortunately kind of able to carry on just as we were, uh, which we're very grateful for. Yep, and you gave me the perfect segue too, which is awesome. Um, I did. I wanted to dive into to, to to current events because also like what we talked about last week when we, when we chatted for a bit is you know twenty twenty has been a struggle for for everybody in, in so many different ways. Mm. And if you look at these the, these brands, um, brands who say have relied upon um, if you're looking uh, commerce store associates to be able to engage with customers. Uh, take temperature of, of of shoppers, and I don't mm. mean literal temperature, but, but well, they you know, do that now. So yes, they do do that now. <laughs> um, but be able to to understand what what, what customers are are looking for, because mm. yeah, like you can only get so much when someone when's browsing the site. Um, in addition to filling the gap. Uh, that you had just mentioned with not being able to actually run in-person focus groups, moderated sessions and whatnot. What have you seen some of your customers using the, the, the platform to do that maybe you hadn't considered before, before we had some of the unique circumstances we have right now? Yeah, a few things. I, I don't know if this is something that was requested, but it was really interesting. Um, we were doing a lot of research uh, on other things while it started happening basically in in the uk at least we were kind of running a project that was all about um people you know responding to things in supermarkets and then mm -hmm. the weekend we'd be sending people in store to kind of film videos looking around the supermarket 
it was like the first weekend in the UK where it really sunk in that we were in trouble. And there was a lot of kind of panic buying. There were really big queues. It was a really mm-hmm. surreal experience to kind of be seeing this like this like piece of history through a lens that we hadn't really expected to get at all. Like we, you know, we'd written that discussion guide, you know, six weeks before when um, things were kind of bad in China, but we hadn't even thought about it in the UK. Um, but I guess that isn't really an intended way that we found th- out things about it. It's just we're kind of an accident. Um, mm-hmm. But then in terms of um, what's been happening since then, quite a few people are obviously kind of trying to just get, a, again, a temperature on how people are feeling about the world right now. And I think that's a very good pursuit because it's, it's just changing so so rapidly. You know, we ran some research in the States that was, it was not just about, um, you know, COVID, it was also about the economy and Black Lives Matter and just the, the way that the world has kind of shifted very radically in a short space of time and trying to really get um, regular feedback on how people feel about that can be quite life or death at the minute. You need to make sure that you're really sort of on top of what is happening in the world because if you're still treating it like it's late 2019, uh, things are going to look pretty different. Um, and then in terms of other things that have changed, I think actually for us, it, it has fortunately been a, a case of being like a pleasant surprise that things have stayed the same. Like a lot of the kind of, um, you know, insights and things that we were trying to get before can be kind of transplanted almost exactly the same to the new world. It's just, you know, maybe you need to be more careful about where you send people if you want them to do some kind of in-store tasks. Um, but generally, like for us, it has been like quite mercifully uh, a smooth transition, you know, like we obviously we're working from home, but we were doing that quite a lot before. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were already kind of like, um, well, we have a kind of central team in the UK, but um, as Matt will said when he was on the podcast, we were founded in Sydney and we still have a lot of team there. So we were pretty used to, you know, doing everything on Zoom, making sure everything is in Slack. Uh, so from both the kind of internal and external perspective for us, it hasn't been the, the biggest shock in the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. And th- th- that's perfect because I one of the things we always like to talk about on this show I- internally as a company because we're a completely distributed company. Um, we're we're spread out throughout the United States. In fact, actually at one per- at one point we had uh, a person who was living and working in in Thailand. He got burned out by the, the, the Silicon Valley culture. He joined us with the idea of like he was going to be a digital nomad. And he ended up like he, he hit several different places and then he kind of got set in Thailand and he's like, I like it here. And, and uh, he was uh, he was working there. And then uh, eventually you know, he, he unfortunately left us. Uh, he, he got set up with a with a Thai company, uh, a Thai telecom company. And we, we, we definitely still keep in touch with him. Um, and he was like, this is such a unique opportunity as as an expat being able to, to go in. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'd definitely love to talk to you a bit about the the remote work piece um, because again, something we love love to talk about. So um, you know, you'd mentioned you guys were already remote before before COVID hit. Yeah, we um, so we have an office um, in uh, Shoreditch in London that's a very nice um, co working space. Mm-hmm. Um, but because there's only um, well, there's four of us on the UK team across mm-hmm. the and Bonjour, and even then, um, one of the team moved out of London a couple of years ago and he's kind of more more or less fully remote now. Um, mm. And then the rest of us, we go into the office, but we were still taking sort of one or two um, days at home a week, usually just for kind of variety. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of the things that uh, people 
uh, learning to like about it, you know, if if you knew before, you're glad to see everyone else, you know, getting into it and getting enjoying it. Because it is good to not commute and it's good to be able to kind of cook your own lunch and stuff. And while I don't think anyone mm-hmm. maybe have chosen to uh, be doing it every day forever like we are now, um, it's it, it was good even before it was necessary. Um, so, yeah, we were quite, like, comfortable with it. And in terms of, like, how it affected the culture, I think because we were, like, used to it from, like, day one and we've kind of always had that mentality i think because of just that australia uk divide there's no way you mm-hmm. can really like survive without it you know we've had our bosses in australia have been kind of telling us from day one you need to be able to kind of thrive by yourself and you need to have your own sort of culture out there um as a team but also almost as individuals that like you will have this kind of slightly different perspective on what the team culture is but not so far apart that it doesn't work mm-hmm. um and that again was sort of in the dna of the company because we've been quite um global and we've been quite sort of flexible around a lot of things um which is like one of the things i love most about working here um i'm curious like i know i'm the guest but can i ask, no, ask away because there's a bunch of questions like, i've got for you still so <laughs> go ask away i was just because the digital uh, nomad stuff is is really interesting to me like how was it for you guys in the states like did it have a big impact was it kind of like uh how did it sort of feel having a colleague quite far away i mean um well we're sort of of used to it because of australia but i'm curious to know how it went sort of going from one country to two yeah so it um it definitely took a a little getting used to but we were able to to quickly adjust and because we're already spread out already Mm -hmm. we're, we're across multiple time zones so like i'm here on the east coast we have um Another colleague of mine, Jen, she is in in Atlanta, so she's also on the East Coast, so we're same time zone. But one of our co-founders, Jason, he's in Utah, so that's two hours behind us. Our other co-founder, Hila, is um, in, in, in the L.A. area, so she's three hours behind us. So you already have a bit of that shift um, and the, 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 the asynchronous communication because, I mean, like, Hila knows, for example, like if she were to message me at like five o'clock her time or even four o'clock her time. The odds of me responding it to it are, are slim to none because I'm, you know, while we, we, we have flexible hours and man, I'm trying to say like three things at once. Um, uh, I, if I don't respond, it's not like a, where are you? I need to make sure yeah, you're available yeah. at, at my time. And, you know, both Jason and Hila, the co-founders of the company have been huge proponents of remote asynchronous work. And, uh, I'm going to quote Jason, you know, he constantly talks about designing, designing your day. What do you, do you want that to be? I don't, for me to be able to get stuff done, I like to follow a nine to five routine. It's, it's easy for me to block out my day to get stuff done. That being said, if I wanted to, I could easily shift things around where I can, as long as I get stuff done, it, it, it it's, it's fine. As long as, Clients feel like they're 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 getting what they need. That that's fine. In fact, one of our clients, when um, when John was living in Thailand, um, they asked if John could come on site, um, and because the way he was able to respond and get stuff done, they didn't realize he was not living in the country. <laughs> and we're like, uh, we're, we're, we're sorry, he's he's living in Thailand. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. no, he's not going to be able to to, to come on site. Um, and they're like, oh, really? Would have never known. Now, he shifted his day around. So he did a lot of his work at night. 
So there was a little bit of overlap between us. Uh, but then also he had the time during the day to go out and do stuff. So, you know, we had that little bit of overlap where, you know, there were calls needed and most of our clients are, are, are flexible. So I do have a client in, in London and we both try to be flexible. Like we try to schedule meetings between like um, two and five GMT. That being said, if there's something critical and it needs to be at one o'clock GMT, I can find a way to make that work. Um, so this way they don't feel like that they're constantly bending over backwards, but then they do try to be, to be considerate as well. Um, so, but yeah, like I, I think a lot of it comes from like, we, we have two co-founders who are, are totally supportive of it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it, with flexibility there, there comes, you know, like when, I think when people think of having a flexible schedule, it means they think it means having everything your way. And that's not always the case. Mm. It sometimes it means getting your way, but then sometimes it means, well, after everyone goes to bed, I'm going to put in a couple hours of work to, to get stuff done because I took off in the morning. You know, I yeah. canceled a bunch of meetings, uh, which people are fine with. Like, you know, I'm not saying flippantly cancel meetings. <laughs> I, you know. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like right. rescheduling meetings. Um, and then, you know, I'm taking some time off in the morning to, to go to my, my child's event or whatever. And then, um, but that means like, I, I may need to pick up some, some work later in the evening once everyone's in bed. But, you know, with that flexibility, I think that the, there comes some great, great opportunities. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it like that. And this is something I think I didn't know until I started doing it, that there is a give and take to it. Yeah. You can't mm -hmm. just kind of like expect to get, um, what you want all the time, but that's true. Yeah, that's true of any work environment. Like there's an element yeah. of kind of compromise, I think, in anything else you do. And in office life, you know, it's an even bigger element of compromise. Like, sure, you know when everyone else is going to be in, but you have to give up, a, you know, a lot of flexibility. And you know, there's so many benefits, I think, from being able to set your own hours. That I've never once like begrudged if I have to like work, you know, a bit after six or seven or whatever. If if I know that once that's done, then I'll be the either I did something that day or I can do something the next day to kind of make up for it. It always felt like a much more sort of natural way of structuring your time to me. So it's always good mm -hmm. to hear other people like feel the same as you and that it's not been like a, I don't, I've never heard anyone say it's been like a disaster for them. I've never like heard of any real like horror stories, but maybe people no. just wouldn't admit to it. Well, when I tell people that I, I, I work from home, they're like, well, I, I could never do that. I'd get distracted. You know, I'd, I'd be doing laundry. I'm like, no, I, I do laundry. Um, I've got yeah. another call after you and I are done chatting and then I'm, I'm going to go put the, I actually do need to get some laundry done today, but I'm going to take that 10 minutes and get it done. But then, I mean, th that makes up for times like the last week, um, the, the client I mentioned in London, we had a release go out and I was on at 2am, uh, mm -hmm. to make sure, make sure everything went live. Well, again, th there's that, that, that give and take, um, with it. Uh, but with that designing your day, there come several aspects. It's not just, oh, I'm going to take this block that I can go do something, you know, while everybody else is working. Uh, it also means just coming up with with a routine. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, with, with, with COVID and a lot of people being thrust into this, we've gotten questions. We've had uh, at least two episodes on it about like the pros and cons of working remote and what those that are new to it, what they need to do. And the biggest thing we always come back with is, is having some kind of routine. I think like you mentioned, um, disaster stories, those that I've heard, it's those that think it's, I'm going to be able to work in 
you know, my, my gym shorts and a t-shirt every day. Well, you may not be able to, for me, I like, I, I have a routine. Like it, it kind of, it's, it's a device for me to say, okay, the day is on, you know, I, I get up, I get a workout in, you know, I get, I get showered, I get dressed. I, I still put on a polo, you know, a polo shirt. Like it just makes me, it, it kind of, it, it's my device that, okay, I'm, mm. I'm working now. I, I drop my son off uh, at, at daycare. And then I come home and, and then I start my, my, my work. Um, so I think like those that are like that do have those, the, those rough times with it. I think that they go in, not really planning things out, planning, yeah. make sure, okay, where is, where is my dedicated workspace? You know, working from the living room couch, working from the kitchen table, you're, you're going to, to run into issues there. And then also like, how am I going to structure my day? You know, there's those people that, you know, they, they, their, their work block may be six to one, right? They get up at six in the morning, get some work done, get the, you know, get the family out the door and then they, they work through to one. So then they're, they're ready to go when the kids come home from school or, or, or something like that. Me, I, I find a bit more success doing like a being, being around like nine to five or so. Yeah. And same, I, you know, like I'm, I, I'm definitely digressing. <laughs> no, I like, it's all, it's all interesting. And I, I do feel like a lot of people, going through this process this year of figuring it out and like i'm, I'm mm-hmm. always interested to hear like how other people use the time well because like it, it's true that i've been talking about like what a great opportunity it is i probably do work like a nine to five or nine to six most mm-hmm. days like i i feel like i may be overselling how like different it can be but it, it's more just yeah like knowing that it can change to accommodate you and if you have a routine then if you need to break it you can um that i think is like the real luxury of it like a lot of times like if i need like to do something for like health or mental health like i I often do a lot of like exercise like you know 11 to 12 kind of time but if i've been up you know seven or eight uh starting work to um deal with stuff in australia or like talk to Mm -hmm. the colleagues there it kind of feels like a natural sort of way to stretch your day and it's just much more i guess true to the way that like people live their lives i think i think being able to molded a bit around your mm-hmm. life is, is, is the great success of it. Yeah. And I mean, one of, one of my learnings though, coming out of this, um, you know, because yeah, like we had just talked about a lot of people, their learnings being kind of thrust into this and how to work mm-hmm. from home. For me, one of my learnings is, is, you know, once, once we're able to get back to, to some level of normalcy is being able to actually work from other places than the home office. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love the home office because it allows me to focus and concentrate, but finding those opportunities to go work from, from elsewhere, you know, whether it being like, we're, you know, doing the stereotypical thing of, of working from a coffee shop or, sure. or, 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 or something else, but finding somewhere else to work from still getting stuff done, but being, being elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. That, that's like a lot of like cafes in London, like pride themselves on being good places to work and not all of them are to be <laughs> upfront about it like there's a lot of like we'll say we're a great co-working space but then you know mm-hmm. as a cafe but then the wi-fi is a bit crap and yeah um it's kind of like not not the kind of the peace and quiet that i think like you should be able to get someplace in an office but like some some places do do a good job of it yeah i i get stuck people watching that, yeah. that, that that's <laughs> yeah, my that's fatal flaw deal. is is i and next thing you know i'm just i'm not paying attention and i'm actually just watching people go by but i've told this funny story before um three years ago I, I worked for a couple of days from Disneyland. That's pretty cool. Uh, how how yeah. was it? it well, I, so technically it was, it was Disneyland property, but like it was right outside of the theme park. It was the Starbucks in with the area they called downtown Disney. So it's still like the Disney proper 
property, but it's it's you're looking at the entrance to Disneyland. And yeah, it was actually it was a lot of fun. Could I do it regularly? Absolutely not. But it was fun <laughs> to to say I did. I took a, a couple of phone calls uh, from there, and uh, a very very long story short, uh, Disney has like their their marathon series, you know, at, at the various theme parks. So I went to do one out there in Disneyland, and so um, I flew out on a Wednesday and Thursday. I went and picked up my my my. my my packet and took my laptop and camped out Starbucks for a little while, you know, watching the monorail go by and watching <laughs> people go by. And, um, Friday I went and ran a 5k and then grabbed my laptop and <laughs> went back and camped out from the same spot. So like, I want to find opportunities to do fun stuff like that. Mm. And that that's one of my learnings coming out. Like, have, have you, have you picked up on anything as, as there, have you had any kind of like those epiphanies over the last six months? I mean, I haven't been to Disneyland, which is a shame, um, but I guess maybe now wouldn't be the time. Um, I think what, like, I've learned in the last six months, because like, I went to um, stay with my parents for about a month when um, the kind of lockdown eased up in the UK. And, um, like, my parents live maybe three or four hours away from me, which in the UK is quite a long way, although I know in America that is probably like a like a pathetically small distance for a lot of people if you move across the whole continent. Um, but that was, I've never done that before where I've basically like taken my whole office up, and, mm -hmm. which is much, it's just kind of a laptop, but um, moving sticks kind of, you know, half the country away to set up in a wholly different space, even though we've been doing, you know, remote work and uh, flexible work, that's actually something I've never done. And again, it was, it was a great success. Like why, you know, why wouldn't it be? I kind of thought in hindsight, but I was worried at the time, like what if, uh, like what if the phone signal is not as good as it is in my flat? What if, uh, for whatever reason, I'm kind of mm. missing stuff? But I think mm, I would not. I would feel more relaxed about going, you know, even further afield now. Kind of trying to make that work anywhere. Which is kind of why the digital nomad stuff sounds really interesting. Like it's mm. definitely not something you could really have imagined doing, you know, even 10, 15 years ago. But there is like quite an exciting opportunity, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, like. I don't see myself doing the, you know, working from, from Thailand and yeah, like the, yeah. the working from Disneyland is, is not um, going to happen very often, but uh, you know, our listeners have heard me talk a lot about the, the Jersey shore and I'm not talking about the MTV TV show <laughs> um, where, where, where I'm at, like one of our regular spots to go like for, for family vacations is, is this, what I like to consider the South Jersey shore, the North Jersey shore is what you see on MTV. Um, again, I'm digressing. Yeah, but, well, uh, we, we, we have Geordie Shore over here, which is in uh, Newcastle. <laughs> it's, it's like the same thing, but different. Yeah, yeah. so like there, there's this one town that uh, my wife and I li like to go to. And one of the things we're talking about kind of coming out of this is finding ways to spend more time there um, and trying to take my, my flexibility, take advantage of it um, and, and use that to where we can spend a bit more time down there. Uh, we have an 18-month-old son. So as, as he starts to grow up before he has to go off to school, like going down in the off season, because in a lot of those towns, the, you know, between the end of May and the beginning of September, the crowds just explode. But yeah, then right mean. now the crowds have died for the most part because everyone's back to work, but it's actually busier than normal right now because a lot of people are taking advantage of the remote work, remote school and everything and going down and still getting some of the late, warm summer season early fall season but without the crowds and i'm like we need to try to find a way to make that happen next year go down either 
early May before the crowds get there or, or, or end of September. And I said, like, I, I could find a way, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, um, structuring my day where I can get up early, get a bunch of work done. And then by three o'clock, we're, we're prepping to go spend a couple hours on the beach and let him run. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like the good life. Uh, I'm mm. kind of thinking I should try and think of other, like, what what's the equivalent here? Um, do you find, like, that the, like, you can put it out of your mind when you do, like, um, clock off during, like, business hours? Because I think that's the only thing that gets me sometimes is even if I, like, you know, I've done a full day's work by kind of three or four and I'll put my laptop away. There is still a bit of my brain that's like, what if something really important comes up? How do you how do you deal with that? Um, it, it's actually one of my biggest struggles is is actually shutting off. Um, what I try to do, and, and, and here's the thing, this is something that uh, you know the, the whole COVID situation has definitely not helped with is because especially in the in, in, in the, the, the middle of lockdown when everything was closed there was nowhere to go it was so easy just pop the laptop open and work until 1 a.m uh, my, my wife would go to bed the baby would go to bed uh actually not in that order the baby go to bed first and then my wife would go to bed but um we'd um I, i'd be up working until 1 a.m it was easy because there was there was nowhere to go and it, it got me into a vicious vicious routine um, so going back to your question, like it's actually something I still routinely struggle with. I get really good at the discipline of shutting down for the day and then it'll slowly creep back in. So I don't think it, for, for someone like me, um, it may even be the case for you. It, it, it's never something that you fully, fully conquer. What I try to do is, is like this part of the house is, is my office. Um, I try to leave stuff here. I try to leave my laptop here. Uh, because it is so easy. Even if I bring my laptop upstairs, like after baby goes to bed, we put the TV on. I'm like, all right, I'm going to look up this or, you know, let, let, let's look at redoing this part of the house. If I open up the laptop, it is so easy to dig into email and then mm. something, something come in. Um, I think if there's somewhere to go somewhere to be, um, it makes it, makes it much, much easier. Um, yeah, and I think as long as I feel like things are done, because the one thing I've been, especially recently telling myself, there's always going to be work. You, you, it's easy to fall into that, that trap of, I just get this one more thing done. Well, there's always gonna be two things right after that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of trying to set out, what am I getting done today? Get it done and then leave the laptop where, where it is, you know, and then go, go elsewhere. Yeah. I, I think that's really like a good way to put it. And, and it's, um, it, it's part of, I think, like a, a skill set we're kind of all learning as a, you know, as a society in terms of mm -hmm. like not just work stuff, but like being a bit smarter about like how much you use your phone and your laptop. Like, and for me, because they're all in, uh, you know, a lot of my like social life and my work life lives in one place now. Um, it's, it's, you'd think that would make it harder to switch off, but actually it's kind of making it easier if I kind of know that just in general, I'm spending too much time on my phone. Uh, mm -hmm. whether for work or for kind of social stuff, knowing that and having the work component as well has made it kind of easier to just say like, I'm going to turn my phone off after eight or nine or whatever, which is something that I don't think I ever did before um, lockdown, before I was really like acutely aware of how much time I kind of spent with my devices. Um, I guess I do spend some more time with them now, but it kind of made me reflect on that, not just for work, but for my, you know, my whole life. And that has been something, like you say, it's a process. You know, I don't think it's it's something you can do 
like immediately like a like a switch i kind of find this like unlearning a kind of a habit um but that i guess has been like the way it's changed for me a bit um but yeah i don't know if like when things open up again whether it'll feel whether it'll just kind of go back to what normal was or whether it'll feel different i guess we won't know until it happens and it might not happen for a while um Mm -hmm. it made me tempted to get a flip phone again Um, yeah same same yeah like i I mean I, I, I was actually very, very tempted to, to go back to a flip phone because I found myself just constantly scrolling and, and, and looking for stuff and, and like this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be this way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the flip phone, I think could like do everything you needed it to in a push. Like if they made like a, a really basic, like web browser enabled flip phone, I, I'd get with that a QWERTY keyboard. Yeah. QWERTY yeah so, keyboard, so, so, like, maybe yeah yeah you know let me text let me make phone calls um and then that that's pretty much it find a way to be able to put it down mm. but uh don't get one because then you can't do for base service that's the only thing i'd say yeah. that's the only thing i'd say to anyone <laughs> thinking of buying a, yeah. a smartphone make sure it's got yeah. a camera so you can do for yeah. base. yeah no it, it well that there's that and like i was actually thinking like you know there's certain tools and certain things i need like um like a google authenticator for, for VPN access for, for a couple of clients. I, I need that. So I'm like, if I get a flip phone, that means I'm going to need to get like an iPod touch for work so I can use those, those kind of apps. Yeah. That's a good point. I do wonder if it might be one of those things where like, it sounds kind of wonderful when you're talking about it. And then if I had to live with it for a week, I'd be like, forget this. I'm going yeah. back to the iPhone. Yeah. We, um, we, we've become so, so accommodated, you know, it's so um, acclimated. That's the word you use, mm-hmm. um, you know, to it. Yeah. hundred percent. But I, I wonder if there's something like tech companies will kind of respond to a bit more with, with, you know, without us having to take such drastic action. Like I, I think already there's a bit more kind of focus on, I guess you'd call it like screen health or something like in the last few screen years. Addiction, and I kind of, yeah. Screen addiction. Yeah. I kind of feel like that trend will keep going like, like away from using the phone all the time. I kind of feel that mm. it's not actually what people necessarily want out of it and that you can still justify the value of it by, like not using it as much, some more valuable in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, if if I remember correctly, maybe two or three years ago, I think it was like the the Apple board and major shareholders went to Apple management and said, "This is becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. We need to figure this out." And by we, we mean you need <laughs> to figure this out before there's some kind of like government agency that steps in and mm. you know imposes something upon you so no i think you're right i think you're slowly seeing companies move in that direction yeah i i, I wonder if it'll be more top of mind for them with COVID going on where the people have kind of it's coming to the fore for them but i'm also sure they've got lots of other pressing things to do with mm-hmm. um one of the things I've noticed, I'm curious to get your thoughts is, is, you know, with everyone going remote and, you know, the use of, of, of webcams, you've seen a lot of like the unnecessary formality of work drop. You know, mm-hmm. you're seeing people like in their, you know, their, their natural homes, like, you know, and, and by, by unnatural homes is like for a while, you know, initially you saw people with like the perfectly curated bookcase, yes. the, the, the right books facing forward, just, just so much. And, that 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 even got dropped quickly and then you just started to see people who they actually are um how have you like have you seen that uh as well 
Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent with our kind of clients and stuff. I think I think I was guilty of that at the start. You know, like we have like basically one place in this flat with like a perfectly white wall behind it. I would be always mm-hmm. like, "Do you want to call? You gotta take it there. I gotta make sure it all looks pristine." Um, but mm-hmm. now, like as you can see, I've got a bookcase which is not very well organized behind me, <laughs> clothes and stuff all over the place. I think internally, again, because we were quite used to doing a lot of remote stuff and doing it at weird hours, we were already quite relaxed. Like if you're mm-hmm. taking a call from Australia early in the morning or late at night, we pretty quickly stopped being bothered about like whether we were that presentable. It was just kind of like a happy side effect, I guess, that prepared us quite well for this. Um, but also like it, it's something that we, um, maybe like philosophy is a bit of a, a grand word, but we really believe in doing things in kind of as natural a way as you can because it's what we kind of try and do in our videos, um, our research. And it kind of feel it would be hypocritical to be like, we want all our research to be, um, completely kind of human and as natural as possible and then have our office culture be really like everything must be formal um, so I think it's kind of grown from that in a way as well which which has been um, it's been interesting to kind of see the two like meet a little more this year mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I think well, I have definitely seen that in maybe people that were not used to working remotely like people I've been sort of calling in the early days of lockdown that have always looked very presentable and you know no one's looking unpresentable now but it's definitely mm-hmm. a bit more kind of like i probably would have worn a, a, a shirt with a collar earlier on in lockdown mm-hmm. but now easy. i'm not in my gym shorts though so <laughs> not, not completely uh, not completely living free yeah no and, and that's awesome and I, and I love it because for me you're, you're seeing the the genuine authentic person um mm. you're you're seeing much more of that uh versus like the uh the formal work self that a lot of people cultivate when when you're in a, in, in an office and um and even sometimes working remote like when when I first really started working remote 6 years ago you know I had to make sure like there was not a sound going on mm. like you did you didn't hear anything there was nothing going on in the background it was pristine you know, no one knew that you were, you were working from home. And now sometimes like, yeah, you know, if, if my son's home and he's upstairs, you may hear him, you know, run across, you know, you know, run, run across, you know, from the family room into, you know, into the kitchen. So, and even Jason, a couple of weeks ago, his son's bedroom is right above his office. And all of a sudden we're, we're talking and you just hear these thumps. You know, he's like, yep, my son has, his son's five or six. His son's gotten into this routine of like piling up the pillows under, you know, on the floor and jumping off his bed into the pillows. I'm like, no, let it go. This is, this is, this is us in our natural environment. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I think I don't have kids myself, but I can imagine for parents that it's been like a real like lifesaver because it's hard to pretend. It's hard to pretend that you live in like a perfectly like, yeah. Um, presentable professional environment, even if you don't have kids. And it's interesting as well. I was thinking about this when we were talking about like getting distracted and stuff in the um, working from home. It's not like you don't get those things in the office. It's not like every time you call someone in there in the office, um, you get like a, you don't get any kind of chatter on the background or you don't get people getting distracted. Like I think there are definitely times when I get like distracted doing stuff at home, but I don't know if they're actually more common than when I was when I work in the office and also they're probably more like beneficial to me like I think doing the laundry during your day is is a very good use of your time whereas like maybe if you have 10 minutes to lunch and you find yourself on YouTube a little earlier that Mm -hmm. is not 
very beneficial to anyone. And I know that I did that, if you're listening, various um, <laughs> bosses or former employers. Um, but I kind of think that is, again, when you're kind of talking about working from home, you need to compare it with like the, the, the real example of office life and not the kind of like idealized version of it. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, so definitely want to be conscious of, of, uh, of time. I know mm. we've, we've got to wrap up, uh, shortly. I, I want to make sure we don't, um, you know, we don't delay the, the end of your day. I know your, your day is just about <laughs> to wrap up, um, and have loved this conversation so far. I mean, so yeah. many, so many great things. Um, so let, let's wrap up on a funny note. You know, again, it knows like, you know, definitely like there's things maybe you can't share, you know, <laughs> with working with clients, have you had like any of those moments where they've gotten feedback from their customers? And we were talking earlier about like the, those moments that have really helped the direction of the company, gave them really good feedback. You've just gotten something that's funny or off the wall, or it's just something unexpected that like, this is something like I, I need to tuck away when I need a good laugh. Yeah, so we have several examples of those in our, in our Slack. The, the best one we've ever got um, that I probably can't share, although I'd love to. Um, we were doing some research in India, and uh, it, the subject was kind of like foot care, basically, like looking after your feet. And someone uh, uploaded the wrong video, basically, using our app. And when they were meant to be asking a question about like their foot care routines, instead they uploaded this video from what I assume was a farm of someone like opening a barn and just like hundreds and hundreds of chickens running out. It's like more chickens than you could imagine in one barn. And it goes on for like 30 seconds. Um, and they then later emailed me being like, oh, sorry, that was the wrong video. Um, but I'm so glad that they sent me that video because yeah, every time I oh, get that, that is awesome. it makes me happy. But yeah, you see all kinds of things. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's never anything like too um, salacious, but because it's people's natural lives, uh, and everyone kind of has like a different filter and what they're happy to share. You see all kinds of like weird and wonderful things inside people's houses. Like when there was a heat wave in the UK a couple of years and suddenly loads of, of blokes were doing all their videos like shitless and on their like garden or something. It was like a, a very weird way of seeing like the times reflected in, in what you do. And, and yeah, like I think honestly, that's part of the, the beauty of it and part of what to me like makes it so much fun like if you're in a focus group you're never going to accidentally get to see hundreds of chickens but there's something mm -hmm. a little more i guess more human about this oh that that is awesome that 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 is that that's really funny i might be able um, to share the video with you if it doesn't go I'll, I'll see what the uh i'll see what the legal implications are yep no and totally understand if you can but that that's awesome but charlie this conversation has been awesome again thanks for for, for joining us taking the time um to, to close things out, uh, if you want to take a quick minute, let people know where they can find you, find Verbate, find more more information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Jim. It's been really fun. Uh, and I thought, I'm like, really glad that we didn't like talk about Verbate for a lot of it. I thought that was that's what it should be like, you know. <laughs> that, that's why we tangents in the title. Yeah, I, know, I was going to say, you, you, know what, you know what you do well. Um, into, but if you do want to learn more about Verbate, um, please do get in touch with us. Uh, our website is verbate.com. That's spelled V-E-R-B-A-T-E.com. Um, or if you email me at uh, charlieatforbait.com directly, I'll get back to you right away. And, and there's no, I'd say, like, um, stereotypical client for Verbate, even if you think that, like, you probably don't need it, but you want to just learn a little more about it. Um, we believe that, you know, every business can benefit from having some kind of qual 
and especially some qual video in, in their lives. Um, so yeah, if you think it might be of any interest at all, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And thanks cool. again, Jim. It's been, it's been great. No, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Again, really fun conversation. So uh, looking forward to sharing this one. Awesome. Well, cool. I look forward to hearing it. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics